and welcome to the Boy Time Podcast. I am your host, Alejandro Jodorowsky. As always, I'm joined by Babby. Yeah. Ah. Today it is Acid Western Week on the Boy Time Podcast as part of our Desert Marathon. Everybody's favorite part of the show. Uh, but we have a couple of things, so maybe a couple of things to talk about. Uh, there has been some discussion online based on the live action Avatar show. Uh, I don't know if you have seen this. I think it was only really a thing today as of us recording it. I've seen something about it. That uh, basically, uh, I think some of the actors were doing press junkets for the show coming out. I think this end of this week or something. Uh, And they basically said that the creators of the show, I don't know if this was pre or post the... uh, Konietzko and DiMartino leaving, the original Avatar creators. Um, but they decided to go uh, and make Sokka not sexist in the beginning of the show. You've ruined it already. Yep. <laughs> that's uh, that's the whole point. Um, and I, I, <laughs> I think it's kind of funny because... Um, in H bomber guy's review of Ruby, uh, he brings up that aspect of Sokka's character as being like, it's like, I didn't think I'd like Sokka at first because he seems kind of annoying and chauvinistic. But then over the course of the show, you know, he learns to overcome that part of his life and really that culture. Cause it's like the water tribe really just doesn't think that women are capable of being warriors kind of the whole thing so taking that away it kind of pulls any real world punch that that aspect of the show had so kind of bad move in my humble opinion but i'm not going to watch this show anyways (laughs) but that was kind of like any like part of me that was like oh maybe i'll check it out was kind of like, oh, okay. They don't care about <laughs> keeping the original themes and, and whatever that, that the original show was going to do. Just seems like that got thrown out the window. So I don't care. But I don't know. Kind of interesting, I guess. Also, I watched the first season of True Detective. Um,. It's really good. I don't feel like I have to say that because it is regarded as one of the best seasons of television. Um, But it is. uh, I don't even know really what to say about it that hasn't already been said. Um, I was trying to get into it because the new season is coming out and has Jodie Foster in it. And I like Jodie Foster. Um, I love her enough. I would shoot Ronald Reagan. Frankly, I would do that. <laughs> I would do that if Jodie Foster wasn't paying attention, <laughs> but especially if Jodie Foster was. Um, although I have seen some weird things about this new season. Apparently, they're using AI art. It's weird. Uh, not to the level that like Marvel was doing in like Secret Invasion, where like the whole title sequence was AI. 
I think they just like needed posters and instead of hiring someone to design a poster, they just AI'd it and then printed it out, had it as set dressing. Bad decision. But that's literally the only thing I've seen about this new season of True Detective. Um, I don't know if I'm going to watch any of the other ones just because this seems so weird and singular. I know they're all, it's all, it's an anthology, so don't need to. But this first one is so dark and depressing, and it really shows cops as horrible, <laughs> which I guess is good. Although, uh, like, Matthew McConaughey is, like, the lead. He's kind of a co-lead. Him and Woody Harrelson are, are partners, and they're trying to track down this serial killer um and it is like messed up (laughs) i don't even really want to go into it um i don't i don't know i think i think you would like it because it is a it's kind of like the wire if it was more critical of the police i think um it's interesting one complaint of the show so (laughs) yeah yeah because it's a it's a really good mystery kind of thing uh you know i love those type of investigation type things um so i was kind of hooked um but yeah it it gets a little it gets a little iffy um i I, and i guess this was coming off of fargo season five where i'm like wow that was dark and then this show it's kind of a one-two punch like i really need something light now because those two things are so yeah they're so gross um but yeah if you haven't seen true detective season one i would highly recommend it um i don't know if i would say it's one of the best seasons of tv of all time it has that reputation but i did really like it but matthew mcconaughey is like playing way against type so don't go in like expecting like I don't know, like Interstellar Matthew oh, right, McConaughey. Right, right. Yeah, he's not like a cool guy. He's like a weirdo nihilist. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't really know how to describe him. But it's just like Woody Harrelson is like this awful, terrible guy who's like cheating on his wife and is just like horrible. He's kind of like Hank from Breaking Bad. If Hank wasn't faithful, I guess. Hank never cheated on Murray, but never. No, not that we ever saw my king. <laughs> I love Hank. Uh, but yeah, it's just like Woody Harrelson's just like cop guy. And he's like, Hey, Matthew McConaughey, do you think that you could love two women at the same time? And then Matthew McConaughey is like, I don't think man is capable of love. And she's like, shut up. <laughs> you suck. But <laughs> it's also kind of fun to watch because he's just always that. Um, he's just always the worst and it's, it's kind of unbelievable that Woody Harrelson and him would become friends, but also, you know, partners. We're in this together. Yeah. I know the cops, they love having partnerships unless it's romantic. They like platonic male partnerships. Bromances. Bromances. Yeah. Uh, it's very romantic and true detective. There's a scene where they cover up a murder. Ooh. It's very fun. That's cute. Yeah, it's very, very cute. It's 
it's so, it's so messed up. It's just like they they find one of like the suspects and they have him like handcuffed. And then Matthew McConaughey is like interrogating him. And then Woody Harrelson goes in the back room and sees that there were two children that were being abused, like behind a door. And then he just walks out and shoots the guy (laughs) (laughs) in the back of the head. So then they have to like cover up and like respect. Yeah. I was like, okay, that guy probably deserved it. I'm not going to lie. I'm for police brutality. If it's that guy specifically. Yeah, we, we we just did a whole Disco Elysium chat about being a cop, so I feel That's like true. a lot of this is... That's true, there's a little bit of overlap. There's a, yeah. I didn't plan for that, I was just watching, I just saw that there was Jodie Foster, and then I'm like, I should watch season one, so I don't even know if I'm going to watch the Jodie Foster one. I just saw that she was there, and I just watched Silence of the Lambs, and I'm like, oh, she's a detective again? Okay. All right. But I think this one takes place in Alaska, which is interesting. Good old Alaska. Yeah, everyone loves Alaska. But yeah, that's True Detective season one. Check it out or don't. I I don't care. Do what okay. you want. Uh, okay, now on to the desert marathon. I think that's it for stuff that happened this week. Um, and unfortunately, I'm I have to apologize everybody because I didn't I didn't watch El Topo because I tried to watch it I thought I had a link on YouTube and then I started watching it and it didn't have English subtitles and it is a Mexican movie so I didn't get a chance you didn't learn Spanish just to watch it I didn't learn Spanish and currently I am poor so I and the only (laughs) options were to buy it and I'm like I'm not going to buy it for $15 because I don't even know if I'm going to like it. Um, but I just, I do want to say of all of these movies, because this is the acid Western week, El Topo should have been the one I watched because I haven't done a whole lot of research on acid Westerns, but El Topo is by Alejandro Jodorowsky, who is like the acid Western guy. Like, when you think of Acid Westerns, it is Alejandro Jodorowsky, and I didn't watch any of his movies for this week. So, that's why I have to be like, I'm sorry. This is the one that I should have watched, but I didn't. Also, I started watching El Topo, and it starts with, like, a naked eight-year-old. And I'm like, oh, okay, I don't want to see that. (laughs) How is this on YouTube? (laughs) It's so weird. Educational. Uh... Yeah, I don't know what, what was going on there. <laughs> I, I, you know, I couldn't understand what was going on. I'm like, why is this kid naked? I don't know. But, yeah, so I don't know why that's on YouTube, and I don't want to get anyone in trouble. But I was like, that <laughs> seems a little iffy. Um, but, so, besides that, besides the El Topo-shaped elephant in the room, I did watch The Shooting and Dead Man, and I think the problem with El Topo is that it just didn't have any star power. You know, these movies are full of star power. And you know me, I either got to be a Hollywood star in a movie. Otherwise, I don't care. You know, I wouldn't have watched True Detective if I didn't see Jodie Foster's face on, on HBO Max. You know, I wouldn't have done it. I don't even care about Matthew McConaughey or Woody Harrelson. I mean, I like Cheers as much as the next guy, but, like, he's no movie star. 
but you know the shooting has hit movie star Jack Nicholson in it and I love Jack Nicholson he was in the Batman movie as the Joker remember I do remember that (laughs) remember that he was in that uh, but the shooting is, uh, it's very different cause it's a Western and Jack Nicholson is not usually in those. Uh, but it is a very young Jack Nicholson. I would say like right, maybe during or right after his work with Roger Corman, who, if you don't know who Roger Corman is, uh, look at his IMDb. He probably has over 1300 <laughs> movies that he made because he's a crazy person. Um, but like in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, this guy was producing, you know, one movie a week or something. Uh, absolutely nuts. But that's how Jack Nicholson got his start. He's in the original Little Shop of Horrors before the Rick Moranis one. It was a Roger Corman movie in the 60s, and that had Jack Nicholson in it. Um, fun fact. There you go. Uh, but this is after that, I think. Because it's produced by Jack Nicholson, and then Jack Nicholson is like a side character in it. But I was expecting it to be a whole lot more trippy. I mean, it's called an acid western. I thought that, that you know, I went into this movie expecting something, and I got something very different. Because uh, the shooting is a pretty straightforward western, I would say. It actually has a lot in common with True Grit. Uh I haven't seen the original. I've only seen the Coen Brothers one, and I refuse to see the original because it has John Wayne in it. Ooh. I'm John Wayne. <laughs> I'm John Wayne. Even though it does have John Wayne in an eye patch, and that's pretty cool. Anytime you can wear an eye patch in a movie, Do I it. think that's a plus. Although, I will say, I prefer Jeff Bridges in an eye patch, which was in True Grit, which I think is... Okay, I thought that movie was fine. I just prefer Jeff Bridges in general. Well, that's true. That is true. Jeff Bridges and the Coen brothers are great together. I know that because of the big Lebowski. <laughs> and that, so does everyone else. That's, that's, yeah. I did see that Jeff Bridges did an interview and he's like, if, if people just remember me as the dude, that's fine. Like, oh, that's nice. Respect. I respect that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, but I'm going to remember Jack Nicholson from the shooting. If I ever see Jack Nicholson in real life, I'm going to be like, yo, I loved the shooting, man. That <laughs> gonna be awesome. like, who says that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen The Shining. and uh, Like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I've seen those movies, but what I loved you in was the shooting. Come on. You were playing a bounty hunter guy that was in the... I love bounty hunters. <laughs> I love the bounty hunters. Yeah, he's the bad guy, which I know. Jack Nicholson is the bad guy in a movie? Who would have thought it? That's never happened before. He's got such a cute face, though. (laughs) I know. Man, I miss Jack Nicholson. Where is he? Uh, California? I don't know. Probably. Where does he live? I don't know. I know that he goes to, uh, um, what's the Philadelphia football team? Eagles. Eagles. He goes to Eagles games with... Gobert's with Danny DeVito and Rob McElhenney. Ah, I don't, I don't know why it's those three. <laughs> well, I know why Danny DeVito and Rob McElhenney would be going, no, yeah. but I don't know why Jack Nicholson is there. But I guess he and Danny DeVito are friends. 
That's the only thing I know about Jack Nicholson. Hopefully he's not a terrible person in real life. I don't know. Seems kind of weird. But in the shooting, it's just this guy. Um, there's this guy, and he's like an ex-bounty hunter, and he kind of retired from that life to go mining because he wanted a quiet life. So he and his brother and a couple dudes, they moved out west and started panning for gold. And But when he gets there, I guess he did like a, I don't know, he was gone for a while, then he came back. One of the guys was killed. His brother was gone. And the other guy was like paranoid and he was going to shoot him. But it, uh, he was about to shooting him. But he didn't end up doing <laughs> I don't know why it's called the shooting, if I'm being honest. Although all of these Westerns have just terrible it's names. Provocative. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Um, but yeah, it's just like, and then this lady shows up and the lady is like, hey, I need help finding somebody and you're an ex-bounty hunter, so why don't you help me and bring your little ditzy friend with you? And he's like, okay, I will do that. So then the movie is just them, um, you know, trying to find this guy. And then Jack Nicholson shows up and it's a big twist because she hired Jack Nicholson to also help. But he was just kind of like following from a distance and then he gets too close and then they find him and they're like, no, don't shoot him. He's Jack Nicholson. He's an American treasure. Please don't kill him yet. And so then like, okay, Jack Nicholson, you come with us. But. Yeah, it's just a lot of people riding around in the desert and uh, having fun, I guess. I guess, spoilers for the shooting. I know it's a it's a movie that everyone's talking about, but the man that, that she was trying to track down, could you believe it? It was the brother who went missing the whole time. And so the end of the movie is she kills his brother, and then the guy's like, coin, because that's the guy's name. And then, like... <laughs> slows down to like one frame a second as he's like falling to the ground. And then it just cuts to credits as Jack Nicholson is walking away. It's a great movie. Um, I don't know. I thought it was fine for what it was. Um, not as, not as trippy as I would have thought, you know, you know, I, and I don't know enough about acid Westerns. Frankly, I don't know if anyone does. Cause I went on YouTube to like search videos about acid Westerns and nothing came up except for a bunch of like AI bros a year ago, like saying, what if the Mandalorian was an acid Western hashtag Joe Dorowski hashtag midsummer or not midsummer <laughs> mid journey <laughs> midsummer. What if midsummer was an acid Western? That's something That'd I would be crazy. Watch. That would be nuts. That was all that came up when I searched acid Westerns was like weirdo AI generated. What if Lord of the Rings looked like Wes Anderson or whatever that type of content. Like, nothing came up. It was so weird. Like, this is a genre of movie, right? Like, this isn't just something I came up with. Um, this is a thing. And so, yeah, I don't know much about it, um, except that Jodorowsky's the guy. So, other than that, I don't know. Sorry. But I will say that the second one was more trippy, called Dead Man. 
And oh boy, I should have pulled up the uh, IMDb before we started because it has an all-star cast. Well, first of all, it stars Johnny Depp. And you know I love that sniveling little weasel of a man. But it also has... Uh, it has... You know, big stars like Billy Bob Thornton and Crispin Glover and Robert Mitchum and Alfred Molina and Iggy Pop. You can't forget Iggy Pop. Um, uh, yeah, a bunch of like those types. They're kind of like character actors, kind of. Uh, and plus, all the music was done by Neil Young. What? Isn't that nice? Every Western should have music composed by Neil Young in my humble opinion. But I will say, uh, this movie, yes, has music composed by Neil Young. It is the least Neil Young, Neil Young stuff I have ever heard. Frankly, not super well-versed on Neil Young. I love his stuff on Harvest and Harvest Moon. Two different albums, 20 years apart. But this is, like, all noisy guitars and, like, electric noise. I'm like, this is... Why did you get Neil Young to do this? Uh, I feel like there w maybe would have been some better artists to choose. But, you know, I'm obviously not a judge on that. Maybe if you listen to the soundtrack, you would be a better judge. But I don't know enough about that um, genre. Can you run a music channel. Well, I, I don't know noise. <laughs> like, that's not my area of expertise. That's my lane. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but, so I assume it's done well. It's just not for me. I mean, Neil Young is a very talented musician. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, um, is there, I guess, maybe like Dante's Inferno might be what this movie's going for it felt very mythological and i will say that this movie does feel like if david lynch made a western technically he did it's a short film because i looked it up <laughs> did david lynch make a western he did a short film in like the 80s i think but i haven't seen it yeehaw cowboy <laughs> i hope he's in it <laughs> i'm looking for a man hopefully you can help me I'm a bounty hunter. When that clock strikes noon, <laughs> I'll meet you out front. <laughs> I love David Lynch. That's my uh, favorite. Yeah, me too. Uh, so that was more what I was expecting. I was expecting more of like a surrealist, you know, that type of movie just set in the Wild West. And that's what this movie is. Uh, interestingly enough, it, it starts as, as Johnny Depp is like an accountant and he's basically moving from Cleveland to machine. I don't think they ever state what, or they ever say what state it is. I guess you could say what state, they never state what state it is. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. But there, he's coming from Cleveland, Ohio to the West. I guess you could just say the West. And... Uh, he's basically been guaranteed a job by, I think, some logging company or some sort of industry. But when he gets there, he's basically two months late and they already filled his position. And so, you know, he's basically spent all of his money getting out there. His parents just died, which was why he was delayed. And so he's basically penniless living on the street with no job and he's sad. But then he finds a lady and the lady is like, oh, walk me home. 
ooh, you're so attractive, Johnny Depp from the 90s. <laughs> and then they go home and they bang. And then her fiance comes home and, you know, he tries to kill Johnny Depp. But the lady jumps in front, takes the bullet for him. And while, you know, while that happens, Johnny Depp pulls out a gun and shoots the guy, kills him dead. But, you know, the lady, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how powerful the gun that the fiance had, but it shoots through her chest and hits Johnny Depp in the heart. The bullet is lodged in his heart. And so, but he's still alive. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's the debate. The great debate from this movie. I don't think it's a debate. But it's just, then he like, uh, you know, he gets his stuff and then he like crawls out the window, falls off a story and then it cuts to black and then he wakes up and then there's a Native American guy and he is like cutting the bullet out of his heart and he's like, actually it's too far in there, I can't get it. So you're just going to have that in there forever. And so, the movie is, I mean, he's a dead man. I think it's it's very, like, allegorical. It's, like, he's in this, like, weirdo limbo purgatory um, where he's, like, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to be talking about movies like this. But he's, uh, most of it is just him kind of riding around on his horse. And then he, like, comes across some people and, like, here's the one thing I was able to kind of like discern from this because it kind of became a thing where like every person he ran into was asking if he had tobacco and he's like, I don't smoke. And that was like every single person was like, Hey, who are you? Do you have tobacco? And I'm like, okay, let me look this up. Cause I'm sure that this has some sort of meaning, um, in terms of like, maybe like a native American death ritual, having something to do with tobacco. And it turns out that is a very common thing across a bunch of native American tribes that have maybe like you are buried with tobacco as some sort of like offering to like their next life or something like that. I'm, I'm overgeneralizing here, but there's, there's a bunch of this. I'm like, okay, that's kind of what they're going for. This is like, he's dead. And basically these are like spirits that he's finding in this kind of in between. And they're all kind of like shady people. Like he comes across some fur trappers and they're kind of, I think they're alluded to be cannibals, but he ends up killing them. And then he comes across some marshals and then he kills them. Police are bad. I I don't know if that's what they're going for, (laughs) but, uh, they're in limbo. So they're probably weirdo bad people. Then he comes across Alfred Molina, who is Doc Ock in Spider-Man too. And he is the shopkeeper and he is like, Hey, I don't like your native American friend. Like, Oh, and then he just kills him. So it's pretty cool. He just basically kills a bunch of people. And then at the end he is like, uh, he's pushed off in a canoe by the Native American fella. His name is Nobody. Pretty sick. Fired. Just, just an aside. Um, and he's pushed off and he has some tobacco on him. He's in like a canoe and he's laying down and kind of like maybe a traditional European death pose or like the arms crossed around his chest. And then he's holding like, uh, some tobacco. I don't even know. It's like old timey where it's like tied in a knot. So he has like 
this knot of tobacco in him and he's being pushed into the sea in a canoe and it's like okay and nobody is basically like that you are going to be entering a new world and this world will no longer be any of your concern and he shoves him off in a canoe and that's how it ends and so i don't know if you're supposed to be like guessing the whole time whether or not he's alive or dead but the whole time i'm like this is weird i'm like i don't know I think, too, on, like, a filmmaking perspective, I wasn't paying attention, but I think the beginning before he gets shot is all, like, hard cuts, and then after that, it's all fade to black and then fade out of black, which I think is an indication of some sort of, like, dreaminess and, like, disconnected, you know, sense of time. There's, like, basically no sense of time, and it's also weird because his heart wound never heals, and, like, seasons pass, so it's like, what's like, what's happening here? I don't know. It's a very, very interesting movie. I think it is... I, it, I probably should watch it again because I definitely didn't get it all the first time. But I don't know. I just thought it was really well done. Um, and also, yeah, I'd already talked about the score being all uh, electronic guitar, noisy kind of stuff. Like, it does... A lot of the shots are just like him riding a horse through the forest and it's just like this loud electric noise and it, that that was the most david lynchian thing ever like eraser headed is so hard to hear what everyone is saying because there is just constant like electrical metallic banging going on in the background of every single second of eraser head like it made it was like overstimulating when i first watched eraser head i need to watch it again but I was just overwhelmed and I was like, I don't understand what's happening and it's so loud and that's kind of the vibe I got here, but it was more, uh, it was more palatable, I guess it was, it was easier to kind of comprehend what was going on, which may be a downside to some people, but I, I liked it. So that's dead man. And then, yeah, this is the part where I would talk about, El Topo, but that is not happening, so sorry about that, but next week we are getting out of the wild, wild west. Oh. I, I know. I, I do like westerns. I should say that. Like, the western aesthetic is, like, my favorite thing ever. Um, real. In real life, I hate it, but, like, you know, in art, it's awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I love Western games and Western TV shows and movies. I don't like old Westerns because, you know, at best they're boring. At worst, they're overtly racist. Um, oh, it was in real life. <laughs> oh, it was in real life. Well, not, that's, I think, modern day Westerns. Like, they've the early day Westerns, it's like a fairy tale where everything's yeah. like, everybody's clean and you know, it's like, Oh, cowboys versus Indians. And those Indians sure are bad. I feel like modern day Westerns, everything is gray, which is how it should be. That's how the world was back then in general lawlessness. Um, and also I feel like just the representation of native Americans has gotten a whole lot better when it comes to Westerns, I don't know. I don't have to say, I think it definitely has because, you know, in the old days it was like, eh, scrounge up any Mexicans or brown skinned people and they can probably be a native American. Hell, just get Tommy over there as white son of a bitch and just put some paint on them and it'll be <laughs> fine. 
Nobody will know. John Wayne wants to play Genghis Khan? Eh. Just paint his face. It's fine. It's the 50s. Who cares? Nowadays, I don't think you could do that. You could try. You can't say anything anymore. <laughs> that was kind of funny because I was watching this movie and it was, you know, it's um, Johnny Depp. And then I need to look up this guy's name. It's uh, Gary Farmer, who I've actually seen before in a quaint little movie called Smoke Screens. Very, very good. Uh, I think it's mostly Native American cast. It's a, it's a Native American movie. I saw it in my Native American studies class that I took. It was anthropology. Very, very good. Um, but yeah, it's him and Gary Farmer, who's a real Native American fella. And I'm like, isn't that funny that, you know, 20 years after this movie came out, because Dead Man came out in 95, Johnny Depp would play a Native American man in a hit Disney movie in The Lone <laughs> Ranger. Isn't that odd? <laughs> Isn't that odd that Johnny Depp in this movie is like, there's a lot of like, you have the white man's medal in you. Like, there's a lot of like race stuff in it. It's just weird that later Johnny Depp is playing a Native American opposite. Do you remember who played the Lone Ranger? I have no idea. That's right. It's Army Hammer. Oh. <laughs> it's an unproblematic movie. Army Hammer and Johnny all, Depp. All around. Tonto. They're like, we're going to play it safe, guys. <laughs> it's wild. That movie came out in 2013, I think. God. That's way too late. <laughs> There's a reason that no one remembers that movie, except for me. I never, I never I, forget. I, I never saw it, but it's just kind of wild. That you know happened. of it. Oh, yeah. Of course I know of it. Oh, wait. Who's Gorvo Bin? Oh, no. Like, man. <laughs> man. Oh, man. I like Gorvo Binsky. He made Rango. How do you go Rango from Rango the to the Lone Ranger? That's sad. It's also the guy who made Pirates of the Caribbean, the first three movies. Oh. And The Ring. Man, this guy, this guy is like okay. pretty solid. I wonder what happened to him. Looks like he hasn't really done anything. Maybe the Lone Ranger killed his career. <laughs> Maybe. Poor guy. That's unfortunate. But, yeah, watch Rango. Rango is good. Also, watch Dead Rango's Man. Bomb. <laughs> I think they're both on Max. I remember, right? They're both Westerns. Rango, uh, legitimately a really good Western. Yeah. I'm saying that unironically as someone who really likes the genre. It's really good. Take, take the... One of the best animated movies ever, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. I need to watch it again. I haven't seen it since we did our commentary track for it so many moons ago. But, yeah. But, no more westerns next week. We're doing post-apocalypto movies. We're watching Mad Max, Mad Max 2, and... Mad Max 3. They didn't make a... Ma well, they might have made a Mad Max 3. I don't know. This, the second one isn't even called Mad Max 2. It's called The Road Warrior. Yeah, I suppose. Mad Max 3. Oh, yeah, it's Beyond Thunderdome. Ooh. I am yeah I'm I have not that's not on the list. A boy and his dog is on the list cuz that one is it takes place in 2024. 
So I thought it would be fun to do it this year. And they're all post-apocalyptic movies that take place in the desert because that's that's it's the, the marathon. <laughs> that's the idea that I had. These thumbnails have been a blast to make. I'm like, I just look up a picture of a desert. Perfect. Yeah. Maybe next marathon I'll think of something better. But I was like. No one else has ever done a <laughs> desert marathon, though, so. Probably not. And And the podcast that I'm basing this off of, they usually do like regions it's like they did an african movie mm-hmm. cinema i think they're getting ready to do an iranian movie marathon or they do like specific actors or directors like we're doing a whole thing on ingrid bergman or whatever whatever artsy person that they're talking about um so i'm like i'll do the same thing except movies desert. that take place in the desert because it's cold outside and wouldn't it be nice to move to it? No, wouldn't it be nice to move to a desert? But maybe no. some of our audience would think so. I like the cold. I was going to do all movies that take place in the winter, but they're all scary movies or Christmas movies. Or Fargo. That's true. That's true. I could have just watched Fargo three times like for four, four times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been fun. I love that movie. Uh but yeah, that's that's next week, and then the week after is going on a trip week, which could have been this week's. It's road trip trips, folks. and so the schedule is in the description. I also have where you can find these movies. So if you want to watch along and hear my color commentary for the movies that you're watching throughout the week, then you can do that, and I can give spoilers. Like I just I'd spoiled both of these movies. And I wouldn't have done Yo. that otherwise. I, I might have. I don't know. But that's it. That's it for me. I'm going to throw it on over to James yeah. for his part of the show. Yippee. Yeah. Big week. Big week. Big week. Big week. Holy um, We got the smile. The grin even. <laughs> uh, that was the only album I listened to. Actually, um... <laughs> I listened to uh, the first song of a new album that came out, and then I stopped and said, no, we have to react to this on the channel. I'm oh. stopping right now. So okay, uh, I put a new category in our, our wheels where it's like albums that came out this year that we should listen to on video. <laughs> okay. So it's just MGMT in this thing. Uh, it, it's, it's Tapir, uh, the Pilgrim, their God, and the King of my Decrepit Mountain. Okay. I listened to one song and it was fantastic. Um, it is indie folk, uh, a little bit indie rock in there. Mm. Um, remind me of the microphones mixed with like a more traditional indie rock sound. Okay. And it sounded fantastic. Um, so that's on the wheel now. So expect <laughs> okay. a video of that soon because, oh my God, this thing is going to be a blast. Okay. Um, so that was a sleeper hit of the week. And I, as soon as I started listening to it, I'm like, I should stop. Because <laughs> opportunity to do a new album, we should do more of those anyways. Sure. I'm doing it. Um, but I guess we can dive into The Smile. I don't think anything else came out this week that I listened to. I listened to the Bruiser Wolf album, I guess. That came out uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, on the 12th. So I listened to the Bruiser Wolf's album. My story got stories. 
uh, pretty decent. It's not anything crazy. Um, I was curious to see how he would do on a solo record. Um, since he is kind of the, a more comedic punchline style rapper with a very silly voice. Um, I was wondering how that would translate to a full record and he actually did it pretty well. Um, production on this thing is pretty good. I like a lot of these beats. Um, yeah, it's a little bit hit or miss. There's, there's a little bit of run there where I'm like, eh, but, uh, there are definitely some tracks where it's like, okay, it's funny. It's got a good storyline to it. Um, it's punchy. Uh, I don't know if it's something I'd go back to a whole lot. It's kind of, I don't know, it's very specific. It's very, like, zany and left field, but also, like, very gritty gangster rap, but by a guy who sounds like he should be doing a tight five. Uh, it's very interesting. But, um, yeah, check it out if that sounds any any uh, any excitement that goes comes from that. It, it, it's it's good. It's just not something I'm gonna really go back to, and not something I'm really gonna blast on my playlist and repeat. Um, but still, kind of impressive. Um, all right, the smile, new album, Wall of Eyes. Uh, this was a very unconventional first listen. We were in a record shop and they were playing it very loud. So that was I was the first time spoiled. I was getting spoiled. <laughs> uh, but the sound system in that record stop shop was really good, so I'm not even mad at it. Um, yeah, this is the second record from The Smile. If you still don't know who The Smile are, it's Tom Radio York, Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead, uh, pairing up with Tom Skinner, uh, who I believe is a more of like a jazz drummer, musician. Um, from Sons of Comet, which is an insane uh, jazz trio, I, th- I believe. Uh, yeah, they're, they're crazy. Um, so you got these three dudes coming together. Uh, they made their debut, um, A Light for Attracting Attention, in 2022. Uh, that record was really solid. Um, but I think halfway listening through this one, I mean, even in the record store, I think I said, uh, this is already better than the first album. Um, mm. And I, I definitely stand by that. I feel like the first record, they were trying to find their footing, and I felt like a lot of it was either leftover Radiohead material that they couldn't find a place for or leftover Tom York songs that they wanted to kind of mesh into this new band. Um, I am honestly surprised we got a second album so soon. I'm surprised we got a second album at all. Yeah. I feel like sometimes with these side projects, it's like more of just a let's get this out of our system and we'll continue on. Um, but I'm, I'm glad they stuck to it because this is what happens when like you really do commit to it because you come up with something just absolutely phenomenal. Um, a lot of changes on this one. This is maybe the record where they earned their name, the smile and you can ditch the Radiohead light nonsense um, because this does not sound like Radiohead and that's the, biggest compliment I can give it. Um, I feel like that was Tom and Johnny's mission specifically for this album is how can we do what we want to do? Like we're getting rid of Ed O'Brien and we're getting rid of the rest of the band members of Radiohead. What is our artistic vision that we want to do? Um, and it turned out very different than what you'd hear in a Radiohead record. Um, on top of that, Nigel Godrich has not, did not produce this record. Um, Nigel Godrich has produced every single Radiohead record, I believe. Um, apparently he produced the Scott Pilgrim, Pilgrim soundtrack too. I'm just seeing that, oh. uh, which is interesting. Um, <laughs> but he's done, uh, most of Tom's solo work and all of Radiohead's catalog. 
Um, and he is not the producer of this new album. Uh, the new producer is Sam Petz Davies, who has production credits um, on one of Tom's records. It's actually the Suspiria soundtrack. Um, mm. But new engineer, new producer. Uh, and you can definitely tell. I feel like Nigel Godrich has a sound where it's like, okay, he knows how to work with the guys from Radiohead. He's done it for decades. Um, you get a new guy in here, you get some new sounds, and it's going to come out very different than what we've done in the past. Um, I think the two singles we first got were Bending Hectic and then Wall of Eyes. I gave a big glowing review to Bending Hectic when I talked about that when it came out. Um, still think that's one of the best songs on the record. Uh, very kind of taking, not taking inspiration, but kind of, riding off that wave of kind of black country new road-esque really long drug out art rock pieces um and they do it in a way that's just phenomenal uh i will say tom's voice has aged so well he must have done like an incredible job of keeping his voice intact through all the decades of touring and albums and stuff because his voice still sounds so incredibly clean. I feel like a lot of rock stars from the 80s and 90s, like their voices just get shot. Yeah. Uh, and this man's 55 and is pulling out new things I haven't heard from him yet. Um, his low end's fantastic. He can still hit that falsetto perfectly. Um, but there's like a really nice, like warm timbre to it. I think part of that is the engineering. Um, and they also put like a ton of reverb on him. I think that's the biggest difference from him in Radiohead and his solo work and then him on the smile. He really lets that reverb sit and it sounds like he's just in a, like a church. Um, and it really w works well with this kind of, it's kind of ambient, it's kind of spacey, but at the same time there's some really, really, really good rhythms and art rock coming together here. Uh, I mean, Wall of Eyes is like surprisingly jazzy. Um, however low-key it is, it's a super low-key opener. Um, you get this kind of like ukulele almost. Uh, it's really great. Um, a lot of these songs take their time to develop. It's eight songs in 45 minutes, uh, four and a half minute being the, the shortest song, which I think is fantastic. They're letting these songs breathe and develop and they are definitely developing. Um, I think the art rock and a lot of kraut rock and this comes from like being able to develop these rhythms and you get this really cool, hypnotizing, relaxing, sedated effect. Um, if you've ever seen Tom York perform, he kind of dances like he's just like having a, an aneurysm. He kind of just lets his body go wherever. Um, and I feel like they actually achieved the effect on this because it's like, this is danceable music, but there's no way to dance to it in a way that doesn't make you look like an absolute freak. Um, <laughs> and I love that. The, these rhythms are so unique and foreign and abstract, but they hit so good. It's something you can sit back and relax to at the same time. There's like your brain is actively working and falling into these kind of hip, hypnotic rhythms. Um, teleharmonic is just, oh, I don't know how they do this, this, this far out. I mean, like Tommy and, or Tom and Johnny are just, they, they never stop. They, they've never stopped since Radiohead like really took off. Um, the experimenting, the differentiation. I don't know how they even like come up with these new ideas and stuff, but just the low end on this record, I think has improved so much from the first record. Um, Tom playing the bass on this thing is fantastic. Um, they're playing a lot more with like, again, reverb. Uh, 
there's this weird low-end electronic part on teleharmonic that blends perfectly with the song. Um, oh, it, and then you get Read the Room, which starts in like this 11-8 time signature with this really just like pedaled out guitar that they used on the first record as well. Um, and it's the more like, it's probably the most straightforward rock cut on the record, but at the same time, I said straightforward rock cut and it's an 11-8. It, it becomes really just like dizzying um there's a little bit of like a sinister undertone to a lot of this record but it's very kind of peaceful and relaxing at the same time um i feel like these two are just so well trained in music but at the same time have this really cool abstract edge to them where they're just really just bending sound in ways that you would not you know even think of um I mean, you get Under the Pillows after that, which, again, uses a really, really weird guitar effect that they used a lot on the first record, which I wasn't actually a huge fan of. Um, but it serves its purpose here. You get this kind of, like, spike of texture before the song, like... I don't even know what the song is. It's a six-minute cut that starts like a rock song. Um, vocals start coming in. The, the beat starts getting more wobbly, and then all of a sudden it falls into a more ambient piece. Um... And then it goes full kraut rock at the end. You get this really kind of sinister bass tone that comes in, and it really builds this harmony. It reminds me of um, uh, whatever that song was on Moonshape Pool that I really like. Um, I, I know Tom like loves kraut rock, so I'm glad that's coming in. And I need to check out like Can and Faust and all those great artists that kind of made kraut rock what it is uh, to really like understand that more. But I'm loving what I'm hearing on that. Um, I think Friend of a Friend was the third single that I didn't listen to. Um, again, deceivingly simple. This sounds like a ballad. Uh, it, it's really interesting because it's got like this really nice kind of cheery tone to it, but it, it's a Radiohead Tom production, so that means it's going to be sad and like weird and confusing. Um, he switches between like major and minor keys like all over the place. Um, I watched the music video for it because I always assumed Tom was on the piano, but you got Johnny on piano and you got Tom on the bass, which is really bizarre, but I think it works really well with the song. Um, I just always imagined Tom would be the one playing keys since he has so much experience with it. But uh, I think if you're not into the super like abstract stuff, like Friend of a Friend is going to be your jam. Um, and even for me, that's someone that like doesn't like the more straightforward stuff. This is still like gorgeous his vocals carry this track and they're so beautiful still um and then the last three tracks are the ones that i heard in the record store uh i quit is fantastic again incredibly dissonant you got some really weird electronic effects happening to create this really nice polyrhythm on the track um really drawn out vocal melodies and then you get these introductions of like crazy string sections um, just a trip. Bending Hectic, already talked about. Phenomenal song. Um, all about the build on there, but the guitar playing and the intimacy of all that uh, and the lyrical content of it is just a masterpiece of a song. Um, and then you got the, the last track, You Know Me, uh, which is a really good closer. I had to come around to this one a little bit. I was a little bit like, okay. I didn't really get it for a while. Um, but... Really strong piano ballad with some more of that string section. 
Um, I feel like this is the only song I really understood lyrically. I have not been paying attention to lyrics at all because I just can't get over the soundscape of this record yet. But uh, I think this one's just kind of going over like he doesn't want to box himself in a corner, which is really funny because he's 55 and has done it all. But it's like he wants to break away from this like radio headlight kind of that attachment that's going to be with him forever. Um, and he's trying to kind of create something different. And I feel like this is the album that did it because this is not Radiohead anymore. Um, and I think that's great. I, I feel like you can literally like come to peace with Radiohead being done uh, if it is truly done. Like, I don't think I need another Radiohead project if Tom and Johnny are just going to do this in their side project because this is like, well, it's not better than most Radiohead records, um, maybe one or two, but it's something different and it's something like I don't think you can get as creatively different as this with that a huge attachment of the name Radiohead. I think when you have the like the name of one of the biggest bands on earth, it does kind of pigeonhole you in a way. I think them breaking free from just that name lets them to like really explore these sounds. Um, but yeah, this thing just turns out beautiful. It is absolutely gorgeous. It's mesmerizing. It's addicting. Um, I feel like we really get some kind of, Tom's solo work where he plays more with electronics and space and then you get Johnny's like absolutely madman style of being able to play any instrument in any time signature like flawlessly um, both of them have been doing a lot of movie soundtracks too which you can hear in here and you pair him up with like a jazz drummer like the drummer on Radiohead is not bad at all but like I feel so bad for the Smiles drummer because like you have these two maniacs playing an 11-8 <laughs> on an ambient song and you're like can you play with that? And he's like, uh, sure. It's like, we could use a drum machine, but the live drummer just makes it so much better. Um, but so yeah, it's a whole bunch of old dudes, uh, who are incredibly proficient in their craft making some really, really, really fantastic music. So, hmm. uh, top of, top of the year. Uh, I, I feel like this is the first like fantastic record of the year. Um, and one that's going to have to get shaken by something, uh, pretty monumental if, if it wants to top it uh i know the mgmt records coming out and the singles from that have been really great so Ooh. looking forward to that one uh that new record i just talked about that we'll be doing on the channel that i like the sound of that one so we'll, we'll, we'll see whenever we do that but yeah i think uh wall of eyes has cemented itself at the top of my list firmly for now um but yeah check it out it's amazing um yeah I think that's it. Uh, we got the main channel coming back <gasps> this week. Really? So you'll have a video in your inbox next week. What? We're doing it. It's been a month. I don't believe but, it. Uh, it's time. I'm ready. <laughs> I was what? not focused on it for a while because I had to move and everything. So I was yes. just like kind of doing it. Now I'm ready to get back and actually talk. So, you know. We haven't been talking so far. No. I've just been mumbling. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm excited to come back and do that. Um, we're going to try to change some things up. We want to do more bad albums this year because those are always the most fun videos to make. Just um, finding them is the trick. Yeah. Finding I, I, I specific so, ones. I know yeah. Cemetery just released a single like two weeks ago. So oh, no. if there's a new Cemetery album, we're doing the new Cemetery oh, album. Rats. And if he doesn't release a new album, I'm going to do the last album he released <laughs> last year. So we'll get some more Cemetery this year. Don't you worry. Oh, um, but 
I know someone or a couple people recommended LCD Sound System, so I put one of their records on the wheel. Okay. Um, yeah, so good stuff coming. We want to mix it up a little bit. Um, I love doing the classic album reviews, but I want to mix in some more fun, lighthearted, or like less heady stuff. Um, of there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of connotations when you gotta like review a classic album for the first time. It's 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 not exactly pressure, but it's there's a certain like if you're not getting it, there's a certain like uh yeah. So. That is true. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do some more silly stuff this year. I want to do some more silly stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's just like we when it comes to like bad albums to review, it, it's tough to find ones that are reaction worthy because yes. like we could review any Nickelback album and that would be rough. But it's like th- that's not fun. It's we not like Corey Feldman. No, it's no Corey Feldman, which we yeah. theoretically there's two other records. There are, but they don't get talked about nearly as much. So I don't know no. if something just went like so bad with the, the new one. I, or not I the new know. one, but the, the latest one. I I'm did. sure it was just the fact that like, you know, there, it was just like really entertaining. But Yeah, I, I did see that he remixed his first record recently oh. in 2022. Interesting. Um, which if you look at the cover for it, I think it might be his Black Lives Matter release um because there's a black guy holding a i can't breathe sign and a cop pointing his gun and then there's like the two yellow lines in his sunglasses which i don't know if that's like the street lines because that's also like the black lives matter thing with the blue background and the two yellow uh, equal sign interesting so i don't know (laughs) it's kind of weird he's an interesting man he is he is I need to know more about him, you know? Yeah. Like, I know I know the early stuff, and I know where he is at now, but there's this giant gap of time where I don't know <laughs> how we got here. Because <laughs> it's like Goonies and, like, that era and, like, Stand By Me and even Friday the 13th 4, like, he's just a kid, but now he's just like, what happened? What happened, Corey? I need to know. What happened, Corey? I need to know, Corey Feldman. Also, drop a new album. Yes, please. I know you usually take 10 years, but... Well, actually, we're coming up on 10 years on Angelic to the yeah. core. So He's got to release a 10th anniversary edition. It deserves it. Oh, absolutely. Just don't change the cover at all. Yes. That's the best part. We could do the new Tom McDonald and Ben Shapiro song. We don't react to songs. Exactly. We're not going to start now. Unless it's the best songs video. I got Ben Shapiro now has a Spotify page. That's awesome. There's a Ben Shapiro radio. Eminem is on it. (laughs) Of course. I don't know what that says about anything. (laughs) (laughs) It says a lot about something, but I'm not sure what. Yeah. NF... Tech Nine, you, Jelly Roll. Well, they did a good job, at least with the recommended artists. They know how annoying it is. Yeah, even though he has zero monthly listeners. <laughs> good. <laughs> interesting, interesting. But yeah, yeah we we need some uh, bad funny albums. So if anybody has any recommendations for that, yeah, let us know. I was looking at like redoing some of mine, and I've added a lot 
of stuff mm-hmm. to my wheel. And I recently got rid of the Victoria Monet Jaguar. And then I listened to Jaguar 2 and added it. That came out <laughs> end of last year. Uh-huh. So I'm like, like, yeah, do I really? Jaguar is so short. It's 25 minutes and there's a lot of like interludes. Like, eh, I don't know if that's really going to be good. But this, the new one that just came out, feels like a more fleshed out album, and I think it's better anyways. So, I'm like, okay, that's that's getting added. Let's do it. I'm excited. It's good R&B. So, yes, sir. We'll always like that. One of our, one of the genres we go to a lot on the channel for some reason. Yes. Um... It interests me because I don't. It's a big blind spot. That's no fair. matter how much we get yelled at, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing it. <laughs> I like a very specific kind of R and B. I'm just trying to get a feel for the genre. That's fair. maybe doing the best R and B albums ever made constantly without any context for the era is a bad idea. But I'm gonna maybe. do it anyways. I don't know what else we would do. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's hard. Because I'm discovering music through a reaction channel, but I have to like react to things that'll get views. So most often, that's like the most popular slash most acclaimed one. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little it's hard tough. to balance. It's, it's tough. tough. And I was also thinking like we should like take off everything on our list that like uh, like anything that I'm on, on my list that I've already listened to, and we should do mm-hmm. a separate thing for that. Which is like originally what the show was <laughs> at the very say. beginning. Yeah. Which like I miss doing that because I don't get to show you things anymore. I'm just listening to stuff I haven't heard. See, um, that's what I do all the time. Like and I then feel like you I do should. that still all the time. So it's like yeah. <laughs> I mean, was our like, last one pure comedy? Something else? Yeah, it was. Like I, I that's like but that's me though. Like that's who I am no, yeah. as a person. Like I love showing people movies and TV shows that I've already watched mm-hmm. and watching it with people and listening to music with people. And that's uh, my issue because I want to listen to new music all the time, but sure. I also want to show you things. <laughs> so it's like very difficult. Trick. That is the trick. Cause it's like, there's no way I'm going to pick an album. I already listened to over like Porta's head that I've been dying to listen to. Sure. Yeah. Although there is this Tapir album that I want to like react to. Mm-hmm. There's also this Lemon Twigs album. I don't know if you know anything about this. I don't know anything about Lemon Twigs. So Lemon Twigs released an album last year that is pure soft rock, and people went crazy for it. Ooh. It's so out of place, but everybody loved it, and I'm, like, dying to listen to it. Really? So that's also on my wheel. I love soft rock. Yes, I know. <laughs> okay. I, okay. I'm down for that. Yeah, I added... What did I add? I added uh, Runner. I like Runner quite a bit. Um, it's it, Runner. I think that oh, album, Runner, yeah. Runner with three yeah. ends, yes. um, has maybe might have my favorite song of all time. They made okay. uh, "Your Name on a Grain of Rice," which, for my money, is probably my favorite song. It's not the best song. That's that's a very important distinction. Because I think I've heard a couple Runner songs. Maybe. I know I've probably put some of them on our playlist, but Always Repeating, which is an album that came out in 2021, I don't like that album at all. Even though it has your name on a grain of rice on it, I don't like that <laughs> album at all. I'll take the song. Don't need the album. I really, yeah, I, <laughs> I do not like that album. And I think it is like, it's the first record, and I think most of it is an EP that released earlier. So like, it doesn't really feel like a record. 
But then the one that came out last year, like Dying Stars or Reaching Out, is really, really solid. So I added that one. Um, I added Slow Pulp. I've been getting in and um, And I heard a couple songs off of the Kara Jackson, Why Does the Earth Give Us People to Love? I think that came out last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you know anything about this? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I have not listened to it, but I want to. I listened to a couple songs, and I really, really liked it. So, like, that could be a fun one. So I have a lot of new stuff. That was on my list for last year that I didn't get to. Oh, okay. Well, perfect. I might just make a separate list for stuff I can show you. Because on our last video, it's like people were like, you should do Godspeed. And I'm like, I've listened to all these, but I'd love to do a video on it. Or you should do these two Talk Talk albums. I'm like, I also love those, but I'd love to do a video on it. Yeah. So it's like... I might just do another section for it and then slot those in eventually. That could be. I have be too that. many things I want to listen to. That's my issue. <laughs> yeah. And only so much time. If we're exactly. making one video a week, which exactly. we can't. We can't do We two. can't do more than one. It's <laughs> no. insane. No. I mean, theoretically, we could, but I don't think either of us have the time no. for that. It'd be miserable. We so. would uh, The quality of the videos would just like start dipping. We would have to hire an editor. Yes, which I'm not doing. I don't have the cash. I couldn't even afford to rent El Topo. So I'm definitely <laughs> not paying someone to edit for us. Um, but yeah, I was just, it's a lot of new stuff. These are there albums is. that came yes. out last year so Sick. that I missed. So I wanted to get so, through some of those. Yeah. So stay tuned. Main channel. There's a lot of changes coming. Oh, boy. You'll have new graphics and overlays and stuff. It's so gonna one feel of us is bald. Up. I won't tell you which one of us is bald. Oh, but yeah. One of us is bald. <laughs> Find out who in the next video. <laughs> it's gonna be a surprise. It's gonna be a surprise. Yeah, I didn't think I would have, that we would have to announce that. No, yeah. it's just a new thing. It it's is a new along thing. With all the newness, you know. <laughs> it is a new thing, I suppose. <laughs> Let's just say that one of us has been going through some sort of a breakdown mentally. A la Lindsay Lohan. A la? A la would never have a breakdown. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm looking forward to being back. I've been wanting to do our main channel yeah. for a long time. I've been ready, so I'm excited to do Gummo by Portishead. Gummo by Portishead. <laughs> Is it dummy? Is that what it's yeah, called? It's, it's dummy. Okay. I just love. I always forget the name of it. Yeah, I, d- I know we're doing Portishead. I'm like like the the purple Portishead album. Yeah. That one. That no no one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Me too. So so stay tuned. Yes, uh, that's your that's your behind the scenes update. If you're a podcast listener, you you kind of know the inner workings of what's what's changing. So that's the point the perks yeah that's why you listen to the podcast all the way to the end yes on this short during our uh during our weird rambly session that happens every week i think it's the best part of the show me too usually podcasts do that at the beginning of the show i guess some podcasts do it at the beginning and the end why not we're we're business up front party in the back yeah but yeah well i usually have things at the beginning i'm like okay these are the the notes i want to hit these are mm-hmm. the things I want to talk about. And then at the end, when we're all done with that, it feels like, okay, well, I don't have to stick to a script. 
Exactly. Not, not that I'm hitting a script normally. Otherwise, I'd be doing a terrible job. Yeah. Terrible, right? You guys better like these new overlays. They're clean. I haven't even seen them, and I I'm like I'm looking them. at it right now, and it, ooh. <laughs> this is going to be so much easier for me to make. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I don't know. I don't know what they look like, but awesome. I, I will see once the video so, comes out and later once I edit a video mm -hmm. in time. Eventually. Eventually. But I think that'll do it for the podcast, I guess. I think so. I think that's it. That's all I've been watching and listening to. Uh, watch Mad Max if you want to, or don't. I don't know. I'm not your dad. I'm not your dad. I also don't know enough about Mad Max to know if you can just go to the second one or if you have to watch all three of them in a row. I mean, I just went Real. straight to Fury Road, so... I know that's fine. You can do that. Don't have to see any of the yeah. movies to go to Fury Road. But I don't know about the old ones. Bye.